Happy Thursday, guys. We got another episode coming at you of the Buck Battles, and it's our our final episode of the season for the Buck Battles. Um, we had a we had yep. a good time doing it, but it was kind of stressful. It was it was difficult to align everybody's schedule up to do this and find good candidates. Um, yep. For the podcast. So honestly, so. Um, anybody listening to this or watching this, please let us know what your thoughts are on the Buck Battles because honestly, if you guys didn't like them. We may or may not do it again, you know, so, but if you guys really enjoyed it and it was something that you guys were really interested in, then we'll definitely try to make time and arrange it for next year. But, you know, be honest with us. Let us know your thoughts. Yeah. Send us a message, whatever. Yeah. So this one here at the end, it gets a little bit choppy. Um, We were in and out of some service um, with Jace. Um, He came back on, finished the episode with us, but I just wanted to give you guys a heads up, you know, the end of it. I'm going to do my best to edit it um and kind of place the pieces where they need to be but you know it might not come out perfect um how we kind of wanted it to but that's okay that's real life you know yep yep that's so. life but i think this one was honestly i wish it wasn't so choppy but it, you know you can't control those things nope but i honestly will say that some of the topics and some of the discussion that was brought up i thought it was it was, it was very, very good. good yes very good so it was private versus public um as we stated before and just like you know what makes it better and then I mean, one side makes it better, but yet how we can come together as a hunting community to, you know, not bash people for shooting a whatever class deer on private versus public and or age class or whatever. Yeah, and then just the difficulties between both sides, right? So, I mean, that's another big key that we talked about was, you know, how much, you know, difficulties Dave had as a private land hunter versus Mm -hmm. Jace, who was, you know, primarily a public land hunter. Yes. And I I thought we brought up a lot of good points. And um, I, I truly did enjoy this podcast. Yeah, and like the final, the closing statement, um, when Jace was off, Dave mentioned something, and then Jace came back on and mentioned almost the exact same thing, which yep. was very cool. Yeah, they didn't hear each other's answers all at all. So <laughs> yeah, J- Jace's cool. phone died at that <laughs> yeah. point in time. His laptop died. His phone died, and then he had, I assume, maybe a work phone or a backup phone. Yeah, sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it was, but somehow he found another phone <laughs> and he rejoined the. Yeah, got Zoom it to seven percent and came back and to us. Yeah, finished it off. So, so anything yeah. cool happened in anybody's lives? You know. Anything um, cool going on? We have some big announcements coming up very soon. Yes. We're, we're working some deals, and we're, we were approached by some, some people. Yep. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Born and again, yeah, yeah. Born again, yep. yeah. And we are extremely excited to announce that to you guys. It's not... When are you going to tell them? Well, I, I kind of want, want it in my hands first. Yeah. I want to do something like real big for Oh, yeah, it. yeah, sure. Yeah. So... We're but, working with a uh, new company. Yep. It's coming up quick mm-hmm. with some yeah. really good products. Yeah, so. we've been kind of keeping an eye on it for a while, and yeah. um, we we know we know some people in, in in that company itself, and they reached out to us and were like, you know, guys, we got we got to make something work. Yeah, we saw yeah. their stuff at the ATA show. We liked it. We were yeah. Um, we got to put our hands on it. Uh, give them a hint. You want to give them a hint? <sighs> it's archery related. Yeah, there yeah. we go. <laughs> I say it won an award ATA show, but uh, whatever. So if you guys, yeah, it 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 won a, a <laughs> it won an award at the ATA show. Thank you, Cromer. You're welcome. It's a it's like eleven o'clock right now. I lied. <laughs> yeah. It's ten thirty, but uh, we just wrapped up a podcast. We got to get this to you guys, and uh, yeah. That's the uh, big announcement for us. Yeah, that's Kevin, the announcement. For you? Next episode, old Jerry will be back. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerry and his good. wife Hannah had their baby. Mm-hmm. They're doing extremely well. Um, 
super excited about that, yeah. you know, and the, and how his life's going to change. Cromer's going to be a dad here soon. Yep, November. November. Yep, 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 yep. And me and Kevy are the only ones left. Yeah, the old, old. Uh, you're not bachelors, but you're not dads. So whatever <sighs> that is. Husbands. I, I just pray uh, the husbands. good Lord gives me a little bit more time. <laughs> if you ask the wife, she wants them now. <laughs> if you ask me, maybe 10 years from now. <laughs> uh, moving on. Yeah. But, hey, yeah. Ch- uh, check out my page, Third Axis Designs. Cromer's uh, got to plug himself. Of course I do. <laughs> Put it on Check repeat. it out. Yeah, please. If you're listening to this, look at my page. Follow it. I would, I would appreciate it. Give Cromer an old follow at Third Axis Designs. That's right. Yeah. Yes, please. Um, I don't know if there's anything else new in our life. Um, but yeah, I think that'll probably be about it. Yeah. yeah. A little five minute intro and send them into the old podcast. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoy this one and seriously let us know and also give us a, a you know, five star review somewhere wherever you're listening to this podcast. Please. At. Um, Please. it does help. It, it shows that, you know, we have listeners and they enjoy what we're putting out really. So yeah. yeah. And also life has been extremely busy for on my end. Um, but the YouTube process is still excuse me, the YouTube is still in process for the um podcast. The, the podcast the channel. Me, yes. The podcast channel. So actually I have I have most of the podcast already edited, just waiting to upload. So if you guys are one of those um, few that really enjoy the video format, please just be a little bit more patient with me. I will have that up. I'm hoping in like a week. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, cool. Let's get into it. So we're we're a Christian um, group of guys, and we're all followers of Christ. And I do want to talk a little bit about this. My strategy was totally different. I just got up this area I think that I would rather use a scrape line because I imagine that there's more bucks hitting a scrape line because the line's longer. (laughs) (laughs) And actually lay eyes on the property first and then start, you know, doing my e-scouting whenever I actually knew what it was that I was looking at. I think our deer at home have bigger ranges than we want to admit. Just because of the more pressure. I 100% agree. Wrap it up, Kevy. Send us home, baby. Welcome back to another episode of Born Again Bowhunting Podcast. We're going to continue the Buck Battle series, and this will be the last yeah, this is episode our last of the episode. Buck Battles. Um, and today's episode is going to be private first public. So another kind of hot topic of what you might see on social media, Facebook, you know, any th- any kind of platform as far as maybe what's better, what's you know, what's the go to yeah. that type of stuff. Yeah. Um. So we got Jace and Dave. So why don't you guys just brief introduction of yourself and then we'll get into some icebreakers and then you guys can uh start the podcast yep whoever cool. wants to go first just jump in first and then just kind of continue that you know first second that way it stays kind of straight yep go ahead i'll so, go second yeah i'm uh i'm dave g rizzo with tag and brag we uh have an online platform do more of like a vlog style video where we're kind of bringing you into our outdoor hunting lifestyle all year long um on youtube facebook instagram tiktok all your favorite social medias and just been born into a family lucky lucky enough to be born into a family that kind of brought me up as a hunter and followed my passion and and kind of turned it into a career now so 
Awesome. Cool. I'm Jace Allen. Uh, I, uh, I was born in Ontario, Missouri. I've been hunting most of my life. Just been getting into the social media, kind of filming side things here in the last couple of years. But uh, always love being out, out in the woods. Started on private, um, end up hunting more public now. So that's a that's a little tidbit about me. Gotcha. Cool. So, uh, we'll hit you with some icebreakers. Give, give your fans. opening statement of, yeah. you know, what side of the fence you're on and then, and then we'll get into it. So, yep, yep. so icebreaker question number one is during hunting season, what's your kind of go-to drink. If you stop at a gas station, energy drink, coffee, water, you name it. What's your, what you're gotta have. I gotta have a propel cold propel in my bag at all times, especially for them all day sits, get some electrolytes in your system and keep you going a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm all about it. Any flavor? I uh, I, I'm the uh, kiwi strawberry, the green whatever the green wrapping is. Yep. That's what I'm. That's what I'm about. It's a good choice. Jace, I tell you, I tell you what, it's kind of hard for me to say no to a monster or rain, but <laughs> I've been doing better as a healthier option, of course. <laughs> um, uh, just the Body Armor Edge, um, electrolytes, caffeine in there. Those have been pretty good to me so mm-hmm. that's kind of what i like to go with if it's really cold i'm going with coffee though yeah black or do you like some cream in there with it black just black <laughs> that's like that's like that's, honestly everybody just says black coffee yeah. yeah i'm the same way you're not a deer killer unless you drink black coffee that's right. <laughs> <laughs> black rifle coffee <laughs> So question number two is, um, what kind of is your bow setup? What's your go-to bow? And then you can go into a little bit of your specs, arrow, that type of stuff too. Yeah. So I shoot now a Matthews phase four, um, shooting the new, actually just started shooting new ultra view button release this year. And absolutely I'm obsessed with it. It's just kind of like reinvented me as a bow hunter or a boat, like just shooting, I guess, just kind of made it more fun. Just, I, I don't know, new piece of equipment, you're learning it, you just, it feels different, your initial shots, you're not putting so much pressure on yourself, so it just feels, it feels good. Um, I'm actually going to be shooting the Ultra View uh, scope as well for a sight, and then I shoot Victory Arrows, the 350 VAP SSs, um, and we shoot uh, Dirtnap Hellhound Broadheads, so... See, I got a Matthews. It's a BXR 28. Um, shoot the same kind of arrows, those victory baps. Um, I don't know what I'm running for grains and arrows. Probably somewhere around 450. Shoot rage broadheads. Um, I got a wrist strap for a release. I will say, like the hinge type releases, you know, those are great for shooting. For me personally, they're not for hunting. Um, it's a little tidbit on that. Um, let's see, three pin slider, 20, 30, 40, and then, sl- and then I'll dial anything past 40. Um, don't personally feel comfortable shooting that far for a first shot, but on a follow-up, I'm prepared to shoot out to a hundred. Um, and then, yeah, that's what I got for the bow. Okay. And then the final question is what was your favorite trail camera that you guys ran this past season? And approximately like how many did you run? Um, I actually, we switched to all Moultrie edges this year and probably had, I don't know, anywhere from like, we were running 20 to 25 of them. And this is probably, this is multiple different States on multiple different pieces of property, but no SD card. Um, you know, you get a solar panel. It's pretty, 
invincible as far as like the reliability goes, just because you know, you got your battery set up. You don't have to worry about an SD card like malfunction or failing on you. As long as you got cell service, you're pretty good to go and traveling state to state. I mean, it's, you know, the cell phone or the cell cameras are just so important and they can be so timely to make a decision on a road trip or, mm-hmm. or something like that when you're kind of up against the grain during the season. So, yep. Cool. Well, I don't have a favorite trail camera. I ran zero last year. Um, some people are nice enough to send me pictures of deer that they get on their trip, their, their trail cameras. <laughs> um, but I definitely see the uh, the effectiveness of trail cameras. It's not going to be too much longer before I delve into that game. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, definitely. You need to dive into that game. <laughs> it becomes an addiction. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah. Well, I mean, like he said, you know, if you're going, if you're trying to cover, you know, three states or whatever. Yeah. One guy, one set of eyeballs, he can't do that. Yeah. You know, effectively. No. Yeah. No, definitely. Okay. All right. Let's so, get into it. Yeah. Let's uh, just uh, come up with your opening statement on your stance of private versus public and, and then we'll get and into it. And then we'll it. dive into the old meat and potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> So you don't want to give up too much in your opening statement, or you want to hit them with like a hard one. So huh? we've well, had we've this is probably our what fourth or this fifth will be episode. Number four, yeah, we've had both. We've had like just a brief yeah. like, hey, I'm on this side of the fence, and then we've had like you know a five minute kind of statement yeah. of this is my stance <laughs> and kind of why. So whatever you guys want to do, all right. it's, it's your podcast. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's all on you guys now. <laughs> so I'm on the I'm on the private land side of things. Um, if I have a choice between private or public that's what i'm going to choose i just love the opportunity to get your hands dirty within the land throughout the entire year i love giving back to the land as much as i love taking to it taking from it as a hunter um i feel like you can be a full steward when you have full access to the land and and full access to manipulate the land i guess for the better for the wildlife and so that's kind of my side of the fence as far as public or private goes. I'm a private guy. Okay. I mean, I really think it just depends on what kind of experience you want, you know, opening my, you know, options up to, up to public land as, you know, led to me, you know, I'm not saying you can't hunt, you know, private land in multiple States. It is a little more expensive, but it's just giving me the opportunity to kind of expand on, what ground I kind of hunt, you know, what, what type of ground I hunt or, you know, what kind of terrain or, you know, all, all those different kind of things. I think, uh, I think it is nice and it is, it is good to, to know what deer do naturally whenever they're not under pressured conditions, because a guy can learn a lot from, from just that, you know, if he's, if he's able to watch a deer, you know, in a field, you know, come out undisturbed, you know, you're going to learn a lot more natural patterns about that deer, you know, rather if you have, you know, pressured conditions, maybe you can't see that deer, though, you know, for as much time, therefore you don't get to learn as much. So I think there's benefits to, to both. I think guys need to do both. Um, it's just kind of what experience you want out of it. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. So on social media, there's, there's a lot of debate on, you know, the public land thing right now is really hot. So, you know, a lot of guys are kind of going away from, you know, let's say, let's say five to 10 years ago, 
the private thing was real big, like when the juries were into it and like it, it, everybody wanted their own 40 minerals and food plots and all that. Well, now it's kind of, it's kind of shifting to like, you know, you're not, I don't want to say you're not a hunter because I hunt private mostly oh, and I hunt public as well. And, but what I'm getting at is, um, what do you guys, what do you think changed with the public versus private thing where, why, why are we at this debate now of who's the better hunter? Cause obviously we have, we're having this podcast because it's a popular topic. So why, what, what do you guys think? Why do you think we're having this debate? I guess I'm having a hard time at asking the question, but like what, what changed? And now if you're not hunting public, you're not a hunter. And if you're hunting private, you're just, you know, shooting unpressured deer. It's not like a skill set thing, but it's like, it's almost like if you shoot a, a class buck on public, you're a better hunter than if you'd shoot that same class or maybe even a bigger buck on oh, private. Easy. I would I say, mean, I would say based, strictly based on social media, Yeah, not our opinion at all, but I would say that like a guy based on social media pre- or prevalence, a 130 is equivalent to like a 170 on private <laughs> versus public in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you what you run with that guys for a little bit if you don't mind? I, I mean, I I uh, yeah, I, we obviously live on social media, so we see and we know it. I think the hunting public had a lot to do with that. To be honest, I think obviously social media had a lot to do with that as well because it is it's exposing it all. You know, now it's not like the guys with money that are getting sponsored are getting airtime and are getting visibility. Now we can we can actually see and watch you know the guys that are willing to hike in a couple miles on public land that are willing to take a camera with them and document it Mm -hmm. so that is all of a sudden giving people like they're like well oh i don't have to have like a 10 acre food plot and sit in a box blind and watch the deer come out and pick between which 150 160 or 170 class buck that i want and all of them are standing in the field anyway like that the TV glam is kind of has gone away a little bit. And I think a lot of that is because of social media and because of people, you know, average people that have a camera that are willing to document it, going out there, showing their stuff. I mean, it it's, there's pros and cons to both. I think you should experience both to have an opinion for sure. Um, but I think that has a lot to do with it. And I think the hunting public kind of started that fad, honestly. Yeah, I would agree. Jace, do you have anything to yeah, say to that? I, I wouldn't really have anything to add to that, honestly. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So from my experiences, you know, let's let's touch base on that topic a little bit more and get a little bit deeper. So we could say that most people feel that private land hunters have it made. And I'm just I'm just stereotypical. We're just putting everybody in a box, right? Yeah. It's not every situation, but if we had to put private land hunters in a box and public land hunters in a box, we would say that private land hunters have thousands of acres to hunt. Nobody else is hunting it besides them, and they can choose whatever buck they want. Well, I can be the first one to say that that's that's not true at all. At least where I'm at, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's certain places where I feel like that is a thing, you know, with like what what Dave was saying about, you know, somebody has a lot of money, maybe has a big farm, et cetera. But Dave, why don't you talk a little bit about like your struggles as a private land hunter? Because, you know, a lot of people just assume that there, there aren't that many. Yeah. I mean, for like people say private land, they all, they all 
ultimately think that you have like hundreds of acres or thousands of acres at your disposal. Like when I was growing up in Ohio, I was hunting five, 10 acre, 15 acre tracks. Yep. Like my grandpa's got 15 acres in Ohio and it's a great little track to deer hunt. But at the same time, you're talking about there's now there's 10, 15 you know, five, 10, 15 acre tracks all st stacked up next to each other. There's a hundred on every single one of them. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. you could tell me that public land is overpressured and stuff like that. And, and it, and it probably is at certain times of the year and depending on where you go and what track of public you're talking about. But when I'm sitting there and like, you know, obviously you're supplementally feeding that these deer too. So there's a different, like, that's a whole different topic, I guess, to get into, but if you're hunting on those smaller tracks of land, that's really your only opportunity to like see deer and have an opportunity consistently. Otherwise you're just sitting in the woods and <laughs> hoping and praying for the best. And so like from that aspect of it, like it, I guess it depends on the size of the land, but like for me growing up, it wasn't necessary. I don't know if easier or harder is necessarily the, the right way to put it, but, um, the struggles were battling the neighbors, like, and some of them that you could just easily see. And, you know, we still battle that right now, like with our track of land up in New York. I mean, we have a neighbor that quite honestly would do anything to block us from killing any deer, any, like at any time of the season, like, and he does like, between making noise, firing unnecessary gunshots, you know, cutting trees down on the fence line to make walls, putting blinds and tree stands up on the fence line. Like it's, it, it almost becomes like a, a competition that is unnecessary and not like needed in the sport because we have enough people that are against us on the outside as it is. And it, like, there's really no reason to go at each other. So like a lot of the struggles for, I think, for a, a public or a private land person is number, like it could be gaining access and stuff, but in the grand scheme of it, depending on the size of the land that you hunt, it's the competition around you. Mm -hmm. It's funny. You kind of brought that one point up. So on every podcast we've had with this, it's been like, why are we so divided as, as a hunting group that's on one team? Because like, like you said, like there's so many groups and organizations after like the hunting community. And yet we're after ourselves as far as like this topic and that topic. Yeah. And it's, it's all the time we've, uh, we've touched on that on every single one so far. So I'm, gl I'm glad you brought that up too. It's just like, you know, we're not doing this podcast to divide each other. We're bringing it, right. like, you know, Hey, let's just talk about this. Like have a civil conversation, Try to bring each other on both sides because honestly, so far on each one of these podcasts, I've been like, like how we try to, I guess the, the topics that we've brought up, it's like, we, like Matt said, you put that in a box. Like, it's like, okay, the stereotypical crossbow hunter or baiter, non-cell cam or baiter, but like we've brought on good guys that like opens our eyes to yeah. both sides. And it's like, you know, we're not going to take a look at somebody that's carrying a crossbow in because we don't know the backstory or we're not going right. to, you know, a bait pile or whatever the case may be. It's, it's, it's opened our eyes and, you know, hopefully everybody else that's listened to this too, like, you know, brings us 
yeah, together. Ultimately, as a I mean, we, we want to be a community, right? The hunters, we all want to be one. We want, we don't want to bash the next guy. And that's kind of why we started this is we wanted to bring on controversial topics like Kevin was saying, and let's, let's hash it out and try to find an even ground after everything's done. Yeah. So the only one that didn't get resolved was the trail camera one, which yeah, was, which the trail, was interesting. Cell camera, non, non cell camera. Yeah. That one, that one, <laughs> that one did not resolved. get resolved, which was, it was fun to listen yeah. to both yeah. sides. Well, we heard Dave gave his side of the struggles um, on private. Jace, why don't you give you know a little five minute spiel on your tr- or your troubles on public? Sure. So, I think the first thing, kind of like what he was talking about a little bit, is you know you're, the main thing you're going to battle is pressure, and the main difference to me. I know he was just giving, you know, examples of, you know, small tracks of private, you know, there's a bunch of pressure in there, but the nice thing about private is you can control the pressure on your ground. And, you know, a lot of times throughout the deer season, you know, if you are, on, you know, somewhere on public, you know, you don't know if somebody was, you know, hunting there, you know, two weeks ago and it's blown up, or you don't even know, if you know, some people hunt, you know, even just some spots in general, you know, i I think for me personally, what, what hunting public land really, really did for me, cause like growing up on, on private land, I'll just, you know, again, speak about myself personally here. Yeah. Coming up on private land, it was, you know, my dad taking me out and he would be like, there's deer there. And it's just like, okay, there's deer there. And he's like, oh, there's deer there. There's not deer here. There's not deer here. It's just like, okay. So I kind of developed a thing where as long as I know like there's deer or is there is a deer there, then I'm fine. But what I realized whenever I got to public land is I didn't have, I had like the second part, right? Like when you find deer, you know, and like, you know, hunt them down and, you know, get narrow in them. I had that part down, but I missed the first part, which was, from scratch, where do you find deer? And I had like this whole like messed up belief system about like, you know, where deer are and, and where deer aren't. And, you know, you get to bigger tracks of ground, there's places where there's deer are and where there's deer aren't. And, you know, there's places where there's pressure is and there's places where pressure isn't. One of the things that I learned early on is you know, you hear some people, they say, oh, well, I can look at a map and I can cross out, you know, like 90% of it just because, you know, it's either close to parking lots or, you know, what, whatever might be the case. Well, what I learned was it was actually kind of embarrassing. There's been a lot of, there's been a lot of deer killed out of these spots that I thought were like obvious on maps and that that's like, oh, that's too easy. That's going to be pressured. There's not going to be any deer there. Come to find out nobody was hunting it. So I had predicted or, you know, scouted or whatever the pressure wrong in those instances. So pressure is, is something, you know, and actually finding deer to, to start out with is something that's, um, that's really, you know, what public land did, did for me, you know, it got me out of my regular comfort zones of, you know, I know where deer are, you know, I know I can go up on this ridge and, and find deer, but, but for some reason for me, just going from scratch and then, you know, going to a piece of land that I had never stepped foot on before and like starting there, that was the hardest thing in the world for me. 
and I and I like challenges and and hunting and all that. So that uh, that's kind of what public land has done for me. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. I've got I've got a point to okay, and then just I'll, I'll save mine save for yours. Later. Yeah. We touched base a little bit on score, and I really wanted to. I really wanted you guys to kind of dive base, kind of dive into that. So, I'm going to start with you, Jace. And I know, I know that you're a big buck killer, and I know that you don't target, you know, let's say like a 120, 130. Um, mm-hmm. But let's say hypothetically, let's say that you are a public land hunter, and you kill yep. a 130. Um, and the reason, you know, a lot of guys don't like talk about score and based on like maturity and stuff, you know, a 130 could be a trophy potentially, but in the hypothetical world, we're going to talk about score because it's something that everyone can, in their mind, they can think of, okay, I know what a 130, 130 looks like. Yeah. And we're going to talk yeah. about a younger deer. Okay. So a younger, mm-hmm. let's say two and a half year old, maybe three and a half year old, 130. If you kill mm-hmm. that on public, do you feel that social media would encourage that more that you killed that 130 than say say dave shot a 130 on private mm-hmm. absolutely i know for a fact <laughs> <laughs> so what what are your what are your thoughts on that i mean it's just i don't know what what it is in in people in people's eyes but i mean it's you know again what you guys were talking about earlier it's this you know kind of date or I'm not even gonna try it. That word, <laughs> whatever you want, you want to call call that word. It's the thing that you know. It's harder to kill a deer on public than it is on private. That's you know that that's what that that's about. Which mm-hmm. is not the which is not the case. I'm not gonna say all the you know all the time or none of the time. Some of the time it is the you know that is the case. So that's that's what that is. What why that is. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are you know proud out there about their you know you know athletic abilities and you know their competitive drive and you know their competitive side and you know that's something that everybody that you know I again me a little bit you know that's another reason why I want to get into public land just because you know whenever <clears throat> whenever I shoot a deer it was actually I remember thinking this the very first deer um well the very first like decent rack buck that i shot on public land i shot on the second to last morning before season uh, it was january the 14th in the morning and the thought i had go through my head was there is equal opportunity here for literally anybody in the united states to buy a tag and be sitting here in this tree where i'm sitting this morning and nobody else is but me so that was one of those things that was kind of motivating for me. And I think, you know, does it make it better or worse than the other? No. Does it, does it change my personal experience with it? Yeah. It, just because it is on public land. Yeah, it, it, it does. Um, I guess that's just part of the nature of the yeah. beast, you know? And I would say you could go even like farther, which is kind of cool. You're saying this, you can go farther than the hunting world. You can start looking at like the Cam Haynes and the Jockos and the Joe Rogans uh-huh. and like that self-motivational like speaking from those people like that gets guys like jacked, jacked up. Yeah. And I think that they associate that public land hiking, 
that type of thing. I think they try to they come, which is cool. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong right. with it, but I think that like what you kind of you kind of put that mindset upon yourself when you were it was freezing. It was January the 14th, and you're mm-hmm. only one out there, and you put the work in that other people wouldn't have. didn't do it. Yeah. So I think that right. definitely is a big part of it as well. So before mm-hmm. we move on to Dave's side of the same question, Jace, I want your honest opinion on like the what do you feel that like if you were to kill a public land deer, what is it equivalent to on private? And maybe you don't feel that way. And if you don't, you know, just be honest. But what are your thoughts? Well, yeah, it's been it, to me. It was it was more of an age thing. I don't really know where I stand on it now um, because, you know, the, the deer I'm trying to chase around, you know, I, I don't really care where they're at now, you know, whether they're private or public, I'm going to be where that deer's at. But, you know, going through that phase, it was more of a, it was more like an age thing. You know, how old is this deer? You know, it was a two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old didn't really, didn't really care about score. And how I kind of equate it in my mind was like a three-year-old on public is like a four-year-old on private, okay. you know, kind of, that's how I equate it just because the three-year-old deer had not necessarily, but if, if we're going by how, you know, public land is, you know, portrayed, you know, today, that three-year-old buck has probably been shot at, you know, 72 times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, and the, and the four-year-old deer, you know, maybe, maybe he hasn't had, you know, that many negative occurrences, you know, just depending on what track of, you know, land that deer is living on. So, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That's what I got to do. But as far as like your score question, I, I don't know. I'd maybe, maybe just a little bit, like maybe the difference of like 10 inches, like a one forties, you know, one fifty. Okay. you know, mm-hmm. public on, you know, public versus private, maybe mm-hmm. something like that, but not i'm not super hardcore like that i would say gotcha no i appreciate the honesty and and yeah i was just curious from like your side of the fence what your what your opinion was Mm. right dave same kind of question to you um if you want to dive into it and and talk about it as far as like the score goes and everything yeah so if you were to kill a, a buck on private what do you feel the equivalent public land buck would be and why and that's tough too i mean i just i've always been like the trophies in the eye of the beholder um you know for us like i grew up hunting in western new york i'm from ohio but grew up hunting in western new york and growing up like we like a two and a half year old like a basket you know and at the ears eight point like that was like hang that thing up and every like we're driving your around yeah. tailgate yeah. open yeah. like we had 20 guys you know there was 15 to 20 guys in camp with us and if something like, like i mean if if anything had horns like we were celebrating we were well we were celebrating it all but yeah, yeah. so for me like it was like I, I almost feel like it's a it's a public land version of or a private land version of like a public land hunter's mindset because now we're putting so much work in, you know, all year long throughout the summertime to grow deer that when we were younger were unfathomable 
on that specific piece of ground up in New York. Like we're killing 150, 160, 170 inch deer up in New York. That was unheard of. Like you, there, if you would have said 10, 15 years ago, you killed 170 inch deer up in Western New York, people would be like, okay, you probably killed it in Ohio and like brought it up there and tagged it up. There. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's no, just, there's no way. So I, ha- I guess I have a little bit of a different outlook, but for me, like I'm, the trophies in the eye of the beholder, like I am diving more into the public land, especially down here in Tennessee. Cause I don't have a specific track to hunt like uh, private down here in Tennessee. So I can tell you from my personal, like mindset is my standards will probably will go down a little bit in an uncontrolled environment. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm more same with Jace. Like I'm more of the age structure i mean i killed 130 inch five-year-old up in new york last year i'm i'm i was happy as hell with that yeah, yeah it was yeah. I, like i snort wheezed them to the tree it was situational too right like this deer was going away from me i snort wheezed him literally to the tree and like it was an it was an un- incredible shot on film like hit him in the heart there was blood and stuff pouring <laughs> everywhere like just all the all the aspects of that hunt made that hunt even as memorable as the year before I shot 170 inch deer in a blizzard up in New York off of one of our food plots. Like both of those hunts to me mean the same and they both obviously hold a little bit of a different value. And I guess the score, this maybe the, the score is it. Um, but for me, it's like, I'm not going to knock somebody that goes to is sitting on a private piece and, hammers 130 inch deer if they're happy with it god bless like tip your cap to them mm-hmm. and, yeah, yeah. and keep going i just i don't know i never I've, i guess i've never really thought about it as like the equivalent of one or the other it's always more or less been like an age thing for me but i think i would like for me personally like the score standards would probably go down a little bit on public land given that you know it's just a different hunt. You're kind of spending more of your time um, or the majority of your time goes into scouting and getting to like your destination as where on private land, like for us on private land, more of that like homework and hard work time comes in the spring and summertime when you're putting in food plots, when you're creating cover, when you're creating watershed, when you're putting tree stands up and kind of, you know, setting up the property for your chess match in the fall. Yep. Yep. And yeah, I want to touch base on the score thing. Cause I know that's like a sensitive topic and I, and I realize that like maturity arguably is more important than score in, in different aspects. But like the only reason why I brought up score was because it's easy for everybody to picture like a one thirty versus a one fifty. Yeah. You know, so it's just, it's, yep. an, it's an eat the reason why we score. I mean, it's, it's why. So it's yeah. like, that's the class of deer that, I, so if somebody said I shot an eight point, Nobody knows how big it is. It could be a 160 inch eight point that's a giant, or it could be a 120 inch eight point that's, you know, you know. So it's like, that's why I brought the score up. But arguably, like, I agree with what both of you said about the maturity aspect. And, um, you know, I have one other thing that kind of ties into that, and then we'll let Kev go. Yeah, go for it. So I'm glad that you brought up the amount of work that you put in, Dave. So, I want to I want to ask this question to you and then Jace maybe you can follow up with any any closings that you have um so why why do you feel as a private land hunter who puts in a ton of work 
Why do you feel that the, let's just call it social media, we're going to call it like the average hunter. Why do you feel that social media doesn't respect the amount of work that you put in and on your private land versus like say somebody that would go out on public and hike two miles back in and, and kill that night? Cause they don't do it, <laughs> you know, cause they don't, they don't, they don't do it. I mean, I can tell you one thing right now, if you've ever worked ground, planted the, sowed the seed, actually got it to grow. And then you sit over that track, over that field or over that food plot, whatever you want to call it. And you watch deer come and take advantage and nourish themselves off of what you gave them. And God forbid you get the opportunity to actually shoot like a target buck off of that same field. There's no better feeling. Yeah. You yeah, just yeah. took it full. You just took it full circle. Mm -hmm. So those people, they've never done it before. Mm. They just, they've never done it. That's mo most of the critics online either have never, yeah, they've never done it or they don't care to do it. So they're just going to bash it anyway. But more oftentimes than not, if they're bashing it, I can almost promise you, they've never done it. Gotcha. They've just, it, same with the yeah. public. I mean, same with this debate, you know, the public versus private land debate, who's a public land guy to say that, you know, it's better or worse if he's never hunted private land mm -hmm. and vice versa. Who, who am I to say as a private land guy that public land's harder, easier, whatever the deer that, you know, your 130 inch deer doesn't equate to my 170 inch deer. Like who am I to say if I haven't actually done it? So to answer your question, I think the critics come from a lack of experience. Yeah. Could we could we be safe to just say, like, in all honesty, we might hurt some feelings, but could we say jealousy? Is that is that yeah. is that a fair a fair well, that, that or they don't have the opportunity to like have a, a piece of private where they can put gotcha. in a food plot or something, maybe right. too. Gotcha. Maybe. Gotcha. Yeah, the jealousy comes from like seeing that end result and you know I guess critically just bashing how you got there but yeah, yeah. the hours that come on the tractor you know i mean even just brush hogging trails to get in and out and creating access and you're you're literally you're setting up your property it's amazing how much thought and energy goes into it throughout the year literally thinking about how you're going to get to and from a tree stand so you just spook the least amount of deer possible mm -hmm. like yeah. that's to somebody that doesn't actually even hunt like that's a crazy thought like you're actually worried about how to get to and from your tree stand in the same woods that the, that the deer live in so that you don't scare them yeah because that matters you know like it's all like those little finer details matter so um it's a chess match and you know on on private land you can you can play that chess match all year long yeah and the reason why i bring that question up or this that why i brought that topic up is a lot of guys would like on social media, you can you'll see a lot of comments of like, "Well, I would have killed that deer too if I had that property, or if I, <laughs> you know, I would have done, I would have killed a bigger one if I, you yeah. know, I had what, what you have." But a lot of them don't realize the, the amount of work, you know, that that goes in. So if you're if you're on the public land side, I just kind of want to open your eyes. And I'm not talking specifically to you, Jason. I'm just talking in general. If we're talking about a public land hunter in a box. You know, like maybe open your eyes up just a little bit and realize how much work goes into the the prep before season, because that's stuff that you guys don't see as viewers, as like you know YouTube, whatever, a TV show, whatever it may be. All that they see is 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 that person killing that deer, but it's not. It's hard to show the process leading up to it. 
So it's just mm. it's just something to keep in the back of your mind. Jace, you know, do you, do you that, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say what I was what I was talking about about you know equal opportunity on public land earlier. People on private land have the same you know equal opportunity to get on those on those properties. You know, yeah. like you know you look at you know, the really big people that, you know, get bashed all the time, you know, let's just say Lee and Tiffany Lukoski. They didn't start out, you know, rich, yeah. you know, they worked their way up to, you know, what they have today. And in that sense, everybody has the equal opportunity to do that. And, you know, to do what they're doing, you know, that's, that's really, really difficult you know, to put that much work into it, you know, a lot of people don't want to, you know, put that much work into it. So, you know, again, it's, you know, back to the, back to the jealousy thing, you know, nobody wants to put in, you know, that level or that effort of work to get themselves on those bigger pieces of property where those better deer are to give them a better chance of killing something, you know, I agree with that. So in that sense, it's, you know, equal opportunity. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Anything else to add on to that, boys, before we go to Kevy? I don't think so. Okay. Okay. So one thing I thought of, and we've kind of talked about this before, is like when we were younger, say you had a private piece of 40 or 50 acres, you kind of think that that deer lives on that property almost all the time. Well, as right. we've got older and more experienced and like maybe we have a piece here, here, and here, we might get a picture of that same deer on all three different properties, you know, at the same day, 10 miles yeah. apart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if you're, if you're a, a private guy and you have, you know, we'll just say 50 acres, that's probably a reasonable, a reasonable number for a, yeah. a farm or something like that to hunt. If you're like, cause I dealt with this this year, my target buck did not stay on that property very long at all throughout the season. He'd come and go a couple times, you know, through he the season. He wasn't bedding on you. No. no. But like, so, if you're public and that happens, you can bounce around private. You're kind of limited to your property lines to hunt that deer. Like I know you could knock on doors, but that's not a guarantee that you're going to get it. And also on public, it's not a guarantee you're going to get it too, because you have multiple people hunting that same block of timber or, or whatever the case may be. But at least on, on public, you have the opportunity to pick up and move, you know, a mile, two miles, whatever, however big chunk of timber you have. Um, so if something like that would happen, how would you guys maybe target your deer or to change how you would hunt that deer if you're kind of limited and like he's only coming on maybe like three times a month for, for two days at a time or something like that? Yeah, I mean, for me, I utilize trail cameras to to my advantage. I mean, especially if you're if you're kind of finding patterns that he's coming every couple of weeks or whatever, and he's maybe he's there for a couple of days at a time when he is. Um, but in that scenario, you know, my probably favorite time to hunt would be late October, early November, when the scrape activity is going to be at its, at its peak. And you can utilize trail cameras on those scrapes to get your most recent information and based on that information, you're not going and hoping anymore. Like you're picking the day hmm. to go kill them essentially. And it's, I mean, just depending on the deer's pattern or, you know, how your property sets up, it may vary. Um, but generally, like if you're getting pictures close to daylight or in daylight, it's, it's time to go. 
like right now because yeah, yeah. you may have you may only have a couple day window and it that you may only have a couple day window for the year you yeah. know mm-hmm. especially right there but he's right there right now and he's working that scrape maybe he knows a doe is close in that area especially if he's a mature deer if he knows like one of the you know local does is hot or you know he knows within a couple of days of when she's going to be coming into heat he's going to be there for a couple of days and it's that's up to you then to to go tackle that but having like boundary lines that's kind of your only option you have to mm-hmm. you have to read the trail cameras and let the deer and and the deer movement kind of dictate when you're going to go in there cuz if you're just going to go in there and hammer it hammer it hammer it like hunt all day and you know hope and pray for the best there's a good chance you already educated them and you've already missed your shot. Yeah. So I'm using trail cameras to just try and, you know, fine tune on when he's moving in daylight or close to daylight. And I'm going to base my hunting time off of that. I was going to say something like when you said that you're very specific when you go in to hunt, I've been noticing that the trend used to be, you can't kill him on the couch, but the, it's starting to flip to where you, actually want to stay on the couch and not educate them (laughs) and then go in exactly when you're supposed to go in and make that move. And then the trail, like you said, the trail cameras, you can pattern these deer. If you're in the woods every single day, you are probably not going to kill that buck. Yeah. It's a good chance. You're going to blow your property out. Yeah. So I just think that's really fun. That's a fun, like change in the mindset of, of hunters. Like you need multiple properties um, and you need to utilize these trail cams to pattern these deer. And if you do that, there's and if you do it smart and you pick the right day and the right conditions, like there's a that's a, the best chance you're gonna have, especially with somebody that doesn't have a lot of property. They don't have that 500 acres or a thousand acres to hunt. Right. You have to pinpoint when you go in, and I just think that's a cool shift with the trail cams. It's definitely the the cell cams are really helping in yeah, that they're, aspect. They're, mm-hmm. they're definitely sure. efficient. Yeah. Jace, same question for you. <laughs> Believing in deer is there is something that I struggled with a lot last year and, you know, not having, not having trail cameras and just going off of a pure belief system that a deer is there is probably one of the hardest things that I've encountered. It was definitely the hardest thing that I encountered last year. And, you know, part of that goes into, you know, how much will a deer actually take before they leave? You know, I learned that last year that it actually does take a lot more to to get a deer to leave somewhere than what I had than what I had originally thought. Now that depends on I think mostly what kind of cover is available to them. Like if they're just living in a one acre, you know, open woodlot, you bump them out of there and you know, they they might not come back to that. They might. But if you bump them out of thick cover and they can move, you know, 200 yards and still be in thick cover, they're probably not going to leave. They're probably just going to run, run around in circles. But the whole belief system for me, it, I'll give you guys a couple examples about how it, about how it actually hurt me a couple times last year. So <clears throat> Kentucky turned out fine, but I did not believe that that deer I killed crabs I did not believe that deer was still around because that deer had been harassed and shot at and and tracked by dogs and, you know, everything. And that deer was still there. And so my belief system was, oh, well, a deer will only take like X amount, you know, before they leave. 
well, that wasn't, that wasn't the case with them. And I never had to question it with the other deer I was hunting down there because he was back in the same field, you know, you know, once every three days after he got bumped. So he would leave for a couple of days then, you know, come back. But, you know, it was a good thing the crab was still there. So later on the season, I get, I get on this really big buck here in Missouri. It's like 170 inch 12 and I'm chasing him around right in the middle of the rut. And this place in particular was fairly open woods. Um, and there was out of state hunters like crazy in this place, you know, hunting with guns. Like there was, you know, nine people just from, I don't even know where it was, Massachusetts or something, you know, know, that was, that was just one group. Wow. (laughs) And, you know, after, so I had, I bumped that deer where he, where he was living at on public. And then I figured between that and all the other pressure that was around, I thought he left. And so my beliefs, you know, my belief system was, you know, this deer takes, you know, X amount and then he's gone. Well, he wasn't gone, but I was, I was already to like Illinois and gone in Nebraska by the time I figured out that he was still around. Thankfully, one of my buddies had a trail camera in there and picked him up like later on in November. So the, you know, the belief system that, that, you know, a deer is there, you know, whenever you don't have trail cameras and you don't know for sure. You know, that's been one of the hardest things that I've, um, that I've encountered here in the, here in the last season. Gotcha. I don't even know if I answered your guys' question. I don't remember. No, I, I, I liked how it was answered because, and then kind of, the, at least in my head, this is how I wrapped around it. So Dave, his experience was run the cameras and we're talking about, we're talking about being in like a box, right? Yeah. As in like a small 50 acre chunk yeah. versus like a large public land chunk. So Dave's obstacle was the land boundary line. Yeah. So he ran cameras, stayed out of there once the deer came in, then he hunted it. On the flip side, yeah. Jace had the opportunity to move, but the pressure from other hunters discouraged you from not continuing that chase. So it's like you've you've got the both sides of the fence on one difficulty versus another. And that's at least how I took it. Maybe yeah. you guys took it differently. I think I think that's the perfect comparison. Yeah. I think that's like the limited private land hunter is the same difficulties in, in different areas as the guy that can hunt public but with lots with of pressure. With a bunch of pressure. I think that's the yeah. great comparison. And, and different skill sets on, on public too because yeah. on, like on private, if you're hunting with your buddies or something, you kind of work as a team public, it's a free-for-all. I mean, you know, never know who's going where or how hard they're hunting or what their skill level is. Who either, walked so. their dog down the trail yeah. and yeah. took their <laughs> yep. kids down to the creek and bumped yeah. them out. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So – uh, Jace, one thing. So I know at the beginning you said you might dive into some trail cameras. What kind of made you not want to run trail cameras or when do you think you might run trail cameras? I'm just curious person, you know, for my yeah, personal so, Like originally like growing up, like I didn't grow up around trail cameras. So it wasn't, you know, something like, you know, whenever I was five years old, like, you know, no fuck trail cameras. You know, I'm not using those. You know, it was, um, you know, my dad, you know, took me out in the woods, you know, showed me, you know, how to, how to find deer. Um, so like here in, here in recent years, what I've, 
what I've learned. There's a deer stand in my backyard. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> like a squirrel over here. Uh, so like what I've, what I've come to the realization of, you know, using trail cameras and, and, you know, all, all that, all that good stuff and why I'm going to start using it move, moving forward is I think I touched on it a little bit earlier, but you know, it's just the efficiency of trail cameras and, you know, specifically cell cameras, mm-hmm. you know, for, for Missouri, if I'm looking at an average four and a half year old buck, I'm going to say that that deer is probably going to be, you know, 140 inches, you know, some of them get a lot bigger than that, you know, some of them don't get that big, but as far as, you know, middle ground, um, you know, that's, that's, you know, pr- pretty much what it is. So like, if I'm going out scouting and I'm looking for, you know, better, you know, better sign, I'm looking you know, for, you know, sl- you know, little better rubs, you know, a little better, um, little better tracks and stuff like that. I can only tell to a certain degree, like I, I'm pretty sure I can tell not all the time, but I'm pretty sure I can tell like the difference, you know, from a track for a three-year-old, a four-year-old, you know, the, maybe the rub height, you know, from a three-year-old to your four-year-old, you know, that's, that's not an exact science, but I can't tell if that deer has long G4s. You know, I can't tell if he has strong brows, you know, looking at a rub or looking at a track. And, you know, I, and I know enough now, like some of these deer I've killed that are really big, you know, their track is smaller than a doe's track. So unless you are actually, there to physically see that deer if we were looking for above average deer which are rare then you have to have a wider cast net and you actually have to lay your eyes on these on these deer you have to get a look at them if you are looking for a certain score Mm -hmm. of a deer so where that translates for me is if i'm looking for deer that are just 150 and bigger there is no way that I could ever look at sign and tell you if this is a 150 or bigger. If it's an abnormally large deer, you know, tall or you know, you know, it's got a you know big body or whatever the hell it is, you know, I can probably tell you that. Still yet, you know, I have an 11 and a half year old buck back here. That's a spike. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I, you know, for me, for my goals, I need to know exactly what that deer is and. You know, Missouri early season, you know, I have enough time throughout the summertime where I can glass and find that deer. But if I'm wanting to do that throughout multiple states or places where I can't glass, then I have to. There's no other way for me to know. And especially, you know, in the time frame that I need to do it, which is, you know, a, a largely sped up time frame than what I'm used to. But, you know, that's something that cell cameras, have, you know, allowed us to do. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. I was just going to say, Jace, you you may not know what the deer size is by looking at sign stuff, but you just got to go to the comment section of a YouTube video or a Facebook post. And those, those, those 14-year-olds, you post a picture of that sign, and they're going to tell you what the score is. So I just want you to maybe take a step back, talk to some kids on the Internet. And, and uh, you don't need trail cam. You don't need cell cams, actually. Yeah. So TikTok. TikTok. TikTok, yeah. They're you know. the worst. Whoever's on TikTok, you guys are brutal. Yeah, we've learned a lot of hunting. Just from yep. TikTok. I've learned more. I'm than dumb. <laughs> I've learned. 
<laughs> so I just want you to yeah, yeah make uh, make a note and then search for help and then that will that's gonna <laughs> take care of it. Okay. That's good. Uh, ten four. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do want to talk to Dave once on the the cell camera, or maybe just trail camera in general. So, I've noticed, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, both of you, I've kind of noticed that, like the trail camera thing is starting to like become let's let's say less popular, kind of on social media. And maybe I'm wrong for saying this, but I'm just curious where you're going with this. Yeah, because like, I've I've kind of noticed that there's like a trend of like. There's a small percentage of people that are saying that, and we might have lost Jace, but we'll we'll find out here yeah, in a we'll second see if he comes back. So, there's a small percentage of people that I, that I see on social media that are almost saying like, the, where I'm getting at is the new cool thing to do is going to be to kill a mature buck without a trail camera. Mm-hmm. Mark my words, that's going to be yeah. the new fad in my mind. I think that, like, say, a couple years from now, people are going to be bashing you. Oh, you've got trail cam pictures of that so deer? That's, it's not good enough. Like, I went out there and killed him with no trail camera. Yeah. And, like, I think the the woodsman or, like, the outdoorsman thing is going to become popular. And I guess I guess I just wanted to talk to you, Dave, and see if, if you had that same opinion or and hopefully Jace comes back on because maybe I did, made him mad with that. We just no no <laughs> you didn't joking. make him I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I just want to get maybe your opinion and what your thoughts are on that. I mean, no, I I agree. I could easily see it, you know, shifting to that. I think the trail cameras are tough anymore because it's it's become so competitive. Like for us obvious like we don't have a massive massive following but we're followed by enough people that if i post a picture of a deer and on trail camera and all of a sudden like somebody locals like oh i got a i got a picture of that deer too mm-hmm. and he's going over this way or he's doing this or whatever we've had people literally try and backdoor us based on trail camera pictures that we've posted wow yeah so I think that's why, like, the trail camera thing is starting to dwindle a little bit. Because a couple of years ago, you could you could trail camera kill deer. People were trail camera killing deer all the time. Yep. I got a picture of this deer. He's already dead. Yep. He's already dead. I got a picture of him in July. He's already dead. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's just, that's how it was. And we've kind of, we've shifted a little bit more to, like, running far less cameras this time of year because we realize that it literally doesn't matter. Like yeah. it might matter, but it also doesn't matter. <laughs> like, right. so you're just burning batteries. If you're running cell cameras, you're, you're burning, you know, data You're paying for the data plans. plans. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it, like we've kind of reeled back on that a little bit, but I can easily see where you're, where you're going with that and could see that being like the next step of like, the public land thing. Oh, I killed this thing. I didn't have one trail camera picture of him. Like mm-hmm. that's going to be, Oh, hundred you know, percent. That's yeah. going to be like a big, big thing. I, I could, I definitely agree. Yeah. Like mark my words. I, I'm firm believer in this. I feel that in a couple of years, like the trail cam thing is going to, and I'm I, personally, I'm the biggest, I'm the biggest trail 
camera junkie you'll ever meet in your life. Like every time I one's on sale, yep, I'll take two of those. <laughs> I mean, I love them, dude. Four like, eyes. I, I mean, I will litter a woods with trail cameras, and that's just that's fun for me. Like I grew up checking trail cameras with my old man, and it was just kind of like yeah. it's just like tradition. And I and I love like seeing the you know every once in a while you get like an owl swooping at a squirrel yeah, or something yeah. like that stuff's so cool to me. Yeah. And I just don't understand. And I I wish Jace was on because. Um, not to bash the public land hunters, but like that's the crowd that it's coming from. And I wanted to ask Jace, you know, like what his thoughts were on why that was a thing, mm -hmm. you know, because I personally, I think it's because they're going to argue woodsmanship. They're going to say, well, I killed him because I'm a woodsman. I didn't just have a thousand dollars invested in trail cameras. But here's my argument to that. And Dave, maybe you can, you know, go your direction with it. You, like when people say that, like the cell camera killed that deer, to an extent, you could say that, but you still have to know where to put the cell camera. You mm -hmm. still have right. to know. Put the stand. You still have to know how, how to, to, access, how to access him to kill him. You still have to know everything to kill. I don't care where you're at. A mature buck still a mature buck. One might be more pressured than the other, but, I mean, trying to kill a mature animal is difficult. I don't care if you're on private or public. I mean, it's difficult, and I guess and that's kind of where I was going with that. Maybe you have a different opinion, Dave. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, and it comes back to the, all the way to the, like the point of the encounter, like you have to be able to hold it together to make a good shot. Yeah. 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 Some people, some people, it doesn't matter. Like they just come unglued and they can't hold it together. And, and like, there yep. is, that is one thing that I learned from Ben rising like out of anything that like just by observation and by listening to him and by producing his shows taught me is out of anybody that I know that dude can hold it together when a giant deer mm -hmm. steps into his world, he can hold it together better than anybody that I know. So it doesn't matter if you have a trail camera picture of that deer or not. Yeah. When he steps into your world, how can you handle it? Mm -hmm. How can yeah. you handle it? Yep, and, that's, that's a valid point. Yeah, I mean, so like I think that's obviously the trail cameras can keep you excited about it and they can keep you kind of going out there, especially if you're getting photos of them and stuff like that. You know, but there is like why I started hunting some public land and stuff like that too, to kind of flip to the other side of the coin is like there is like some of the unknown factor and kind of what's out there when you're sitting in a stand and you're spending hours out there, that to me is kind of cool, you know? Mm -hmm. And like all of a sudden you got a 140 inch buck chasing a hot doe and you got to make a decision based on just the unknown. You know, you got to make a decision. Is this a buck that I want to kill or does it meet my standards or does it not? You know, am I going to wait Yeah. with, the un you know, with the unknown with trail cameras, it's easy to say I can pass that deer. Cause I know there's a, bigger mm -hmm. one or there's a couple bigger ones in this woods without the trail cameras you're making a split second decision on you know is that de identifying like is that deer enough or not and sometimes your emotions and your mental psyche can take over and tell you that that deer is maybe something that it's not you know yeah. Yeah. so you get yourself in a situation ground where you're like, you know, <laughs> that's where ground shrinkage came from i guess yeah yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. i'm gonna say something and it's going to be controversial, I'll get yelled at. But it feels like the race to the bottom is what it feels like. It feels like 
how can I shoot the smallest buck and still be proud of my accomplishment? Dude. That's what it sounds like to me. From somebody that's like, I don't hunt that much. I say it on every podcast, I'm not in this industry as much as you guys are. But it just feels like, how can I brag on the internet, shoot the smallest deer, put the least amount of work in, and still be happy with my outcome? Yeah, I mean, that's what it feels like listening to it. it. It's like you have to justify what yeah. you shoot on social media instead of being proud of yeah. what you shoot. Absolutely, you know, honestly. Yeah. Be a, be, it's a tough time to be a new hunter. I'll, I guess. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah. Like growing up, I mean, it was it was hunt for meat, hang something on the pole. Like we get something hanging. I don't care if it's a doe. Like there was a lot of button bucks that were hanging back in the day. It just, <laughs> yeah. but that the harvest was always celebrated. It didn't matter. Yeah. The yeah. size didn't matter. It The size amplified the celebration, but there was always a celebration, you yeah. know? And, you know, I think about it all the time because, like, part of the reason why we're doing this is because we're, we're doing what we do is because we want to show people the values that we got and mm-hmm. that we continually get out of hunting yeah. and yeah. To, to get more people involved. But... I'm, I just sit back and think about it. I'm like, man, the, the 12, 14 year old me, like seeing all this would be way too overwhelmed to even step yeah. foot. In a- Amen. Or yeah. you could be I the aggressive figure... 14 year old. <laughs> or you could right. be one of the, you yeah. could be one of the, or the other side, you could be that really angry, aggressive 14 year old on the internet. That's, right. that's, that's the best hunter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like one or the other. Yeah. You're going to either be in, all in and yelling at 30 year olds, or you're not going to do it at all. And you're going right. to play, you're gonna play exactly. Call of Duty. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it, it would be a tough time right now to, to be a new hunter. So, mm-hmm. amen. Yeah. We, but like we, going back go to like um, the tag stations and stuff where you had to go check your deer in here oh in Ohio, at least. Yeah. Like, You'd you'd go around a tailgate and I don't care what it was you want to hear the story about it and it's yeah. like you you know yeah. high fives handshakes all that stuff and, and all them just, old timers would sit at the gas station and just that's what wait, they would do wait yeah. for people to bring in their deer yeah. go talk to them you know get your picture normally like they always had like a a it wall big, of yeah. pictures yep. and like you walk into the gas station look at the wall every time like yep. that's all gone I know, you know? I, honestly a lot of people miss that and it was a cool oh part I'm, of hunting. I miss like, the heck out of yeah. it check in stations were the best yeah. No, they were the best like yeah. we would go just to whether we had a deer or not yeah we would go just to see like you know on opening day or whatever when there was a stack of deer in there or yeah. a bunch of trucks with you know their tailgates open and stuff like that i mean yeah. you don't see that anymore no we when we got a deer it was tailgate open drive around that's yeah. what it yeah. was yeah. that now on your borderline getting sent to jail yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're not <laughs> depending lying on where you're at i guess but yeah. it's just like it's so different now. Everybody would so, so many people would take offense to that now, and and it you know fifteen years ago that that was like the celebration. Yeah, I mean not even Absolutely. I mean ten years for us. Like yeah. I remember yeah. when I was you know middle school, high school. It was still check-in stations. Mm-hmm. Check-in stations didn't happen until we were what in high school. You mean you mean mobile check? Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant. So, the cell, the DNR, the changing DNR thing. changing. Like when everything. they got rid of the tags. It was like what late middle school, early high school for us. Oh, You're a little bit no, older so than me, but like I think in all through high school we had to go check them in because I shot. I had to check that. One. Well, I know for a couple of years they did it with you could do either or, yeah. and then they totally got rid of it. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Sorry, Jace, we we lost you for a minute, and I. <laughs> I can't even go back and and what was I? What you did I even ask? About, uh, cell cams and oh, killing deer without getting a trail camera picture is the next like big thing. Oh, okay, thank you. Oh, that 
So Did when hear, yeah, ask Jace if he heard that. Question. We'll we'll just ask you the question and you can give your stance on it, Jace. Because Dave just gave his, and sorry that you didn't get to hear that, but we'll just we'll just get your your uh, opinion. So the question that I asked before we lost you was, I feel, and I'm probably gonna butcher the way I, that I asked it the first time, but I feel that there's a movement of people, a small percentage of people that are that are claiming that, you know, it's not. How how did I word it? I'm totally drawing a blank. People are people are going to start bragging about killing deer by not using cameras at Thank all. You. Thank That's you. the new path that Matt's talking about. It's like there, there's going to be a new group of people coming in to like brag about how they didn't have a single picture of the deer and it was mature. That's what the question. That was the statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, I'm slowly starting to see a group of people on social media kind of like bragging or boasting about not running cameras because they're a better woodsman or an outdoorsman. And I just kind of, and let's put everybody in a box, right? This is all hypothetical. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody specific, but most of this is coming from the public land hunters. And I was just curious Mm -hmm. on what your thoughts were on that. Well, I can tell you, first off, I am, I am guilty of that. (laughs) Um, Great, great question. then. (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, Oh man, I, you know, it, I guess it is just like a way to, a way to like, you know, step away from, you know, the crowd, you know, get away from, you know, the people in the box or, you know, something, because I mean, you, you don't hear about, you know, that many people, you know, going, going in on, you know, whatever kind of ground, just going in, you know, with no trail cameras and just, you know, scouting and then, you know, coming out of there with a, with shirt deer, you know, now with the, with the amount of, of cameras out there really what what i would like to try to try to do you know rather than being a person that's just bragging on social media is actually show people something and what i want to what i want to show people is you know is you know one the woodsmanship you know side of things and and i guess you know some more of my thoughts about that is like you know, say you have somebody and they grew up hunting and all they, all they knew is trail cameras. And then for some reason, or, you know, say it was cell cameras, you know, now, mm-hmm. and, you know, somebody takes that away from them, you know, in the future, it's like, you know, what does that, what does that guy have left? You know, his arsenal of you know, tools to go and try to, you know, get the job done. Sure. Yeah. It's, you know, it's probably not going to, going to be a whole lot. And, you know, that, you know, the whole public versus private thing, you know, hunting, you know, one property and just knowing what goes on, on, on that one property. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different factors, um, that goes into, you know, deer movement and, and where deer are. And, you know, unless you get out and, you know, physically see some of these things, um, you know, it's, it'd kind of be hard to, to know otherwise and you know trail cameras can only can only show you so much mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, but uh what like what i would if it was me and i was like i was like catering this this person it's like okay you're going to be a hunter but you know you're still with nothing i would i would like to grow like a, you know a big a big base knowledge you know, for somebody, you know, some, you know, really, really good foundation that they can, um, that, you know, they can build off of in the future because, 
I believe if you start start out with, you know, the woodsmanship side of things, you know, learn, you know, differences in tracks, you know, learn differences in sign, you know, learn differences in, you know, where, you know, deer are given a property. And that's, and that's also something I was talking about earlier, you know, having the opportunity to, to, you know, go out and hunt different properties, you know, within your given area, because the thing that relates here is the same thing that relates over to that property that relates Mm -hmm. over to that property that relates over this property. And so you have a lot more opportunity to, you know, learn what, what those kind of things are. Um, but, uh, to the person that were, that were, you know, kind of, kind of catering up, you know, if I, if I can show somebody, if I can give somebody, you know, all, all the wood tools, you know, that I have, and I know that that I can, can go out and kill deer without trail cameras. And then, you know, whenever you gotten to the point where I feel like, you know, like I was talking about earlier, you know, you'd only get up to a certain point and tell how big deer are based off sign alone. Mm-hmm. And then you add in trail cameras to your process, you know, if you want to take it that far, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, a lot of guys don't. And, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't blame them, you know, a, a lot of, you know, my, my hunting, you know, there's quite a few bucks that I have there, you know, like, you know, like this, you know, spikes or four cords and whatnot, so, you know, you know, pound away. But, you know, if you're trying to go for something bigger, if you do want to take that next step, then I think trail cameras is that next step. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's coming, you know, pr- from the perspective of a guy that has never, that has never used trail cameras ever. So sure. I imagine there's, there's things that people that only use trail cameras, I'm sure they know a hell of a lot more things than, you know, than I do, you know, things that, you know, I'm going to learn, you know, whenever I start to use trail cameras, mm-hmm. but you know, getting that baseline of, of learning down, um, before you do that, I think is, I don't know if you'd call it like a more sustainable way, but what I can do with my skill set is I feel like I can go anywhere with my skills and start out, you know, start out anywhere and find, you know, and find deer. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if you've only hunted one property your whole life and, you know, you've had trail cameras in, you know, four or five spots and you're like, oh, well, yeah, you know, deer come through there in, you know, November. Well, you know, you might be able to take some of that to a different property, you know, but versus the guy that's hunted, you know, 10 properties in, you know, five different states, you know, he's going to have a lot more, um, a lot more experience, you know, a lot more know-how what to, you know, go about and what to yeah. look at what to look for yeah no you have valid points and i I, you don't honestly you can't argue that i mean honestly you you just can't and you can't put all your eggs in one basket either you know relying just on cameras or you know whatever like you said you're going to move on to getting cameras in the future too to widen your skill set then too yep yep i like that answer a lot cool Cool. Well, we probably should. We're, yeah, let's yeah. wrap We've this had up. Dave on for like two hours. Yeah, Thank I, you, Dave. I, I, let's yeah, just wrap it up. Give your closing statement, and then we'll just go from there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think as a as a private land hunter, um, I just I really enjoy it. I think people can get the joy out of being able to give back to the land as much as they take from it. 
um, because you're not only affecting your 50 acres or 100 acres or 150 acres, whatever you've got, you're affecting the wildlife and really the hunting in the adjacent properties around you. And so for anybody that hasn't experienced it, it it's, I don't know that there's much better than, like I said earlier, you know, being able to prepare the ground, sow the seed, actually get something to grow. Because if you've never done it before, it's not like you just put seed in the ground and it comes up. There are yeah. conditions yeah. involved and there are a lot of different scenarios and weather plays a major factor mm -hmm. in Soil things quality. actually being able, being able to grow. So it's that's such a long process and it's taken us years on years to kind of figure out. But once you kind of get ingrained in that and you're you're literally able to, you know, manipulate your property to create food, cover, watershed to better it for the animals, um, you know, it just it takes it to a whole new level. Yeah, and it mm -hmm. you, you kind of get a new different appreciation for the lives that you're taking on that property because you're not just taking, but you're giving back to the, you know, you're, you're giving back. And that's, that's if, a cool you have point. Standards, if you have standards that you've given back to that animal for many, many years mm -hmm. in a row, yeah. at least yeah. partially. And that's, it's, it's a good feeling. It feels like you're taking the stewardship of the land to full circle. Yeah. And so that's what I enjoy about it most. And that's why uh, I'm on the, I'm on the private land side. I love that answer. I really do. Because like most guys think that, you know, once again, we're talking about boxes, right? So like most guys would say, Oh, that private land hunter, he's just got all the money and he just buys the deer and he just puts out the supplemental feed. But like, I'm really, really, really happy with how you answered the questions today because I, I hunt, I'd say mostly private and then mostly out of state. I hunt public. And so I'm, I'm honestly like I've, I've hunted a share amount of public where I can dab my toes in it and honestly give a good feedback. Yeah. And I'm glad that I'm glad that you talk about how much work that you put in because I get that a lot as a private land hunter in Ohio. I get the, oh, well, you just bought that deer. Oh, you, you know, I don't have any leases yeah. personally, but like, oh, you just leased it or, you know, yeah. and it's like sometimes it's not the case, yeah. you know, but it goes yeah, full but, circle on public too. Like those guys are busting their rumps as well. Right. And if For Jace sure. was here, you know, he would, he would argue that as well. He talked about that buck that he was chasing in Missouri and bunch of guys from out of state came in and pushed the deer out yeah, and it's like you can't do anything a, about it because crazy story you know it's and, like and the one in kentucky where he hunted what was it 18 days straight yeah after that one deer we talked to him on a previous podcast yeah. i mean that's dedication yeah. 18 days straight is a long time to hunt a, a you know a group of deer and stuff like that so yeah, yeah. that's no joke those guys honestly like the diehard public land dudes i a lot of respect for yeah, them guys 100%. because they're 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 busting their butts but on the flip side, I, I would say the diehard private land guys are also doing just as much work, but in a different way. Mm -hmm. So, in I mean, we have to respect both sides of the fence, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. But Well, Jace, I think, I think we're going to let you give your final statement of, you know, why you're a public land hunter. And then we'll ask you our wrapped up, our, our final question. And then I think our podcast is good. Yeah. Sounds good. So... For the closing statement, you know, private versus public, you know, I, <clears throat> I still think people should go out and experience, you know, both. Um, I doubt any trash talkers ever going to listen to this, but, you know, know, you know, know your fields before you, you know, you start talking trash on them. Um, you know, I've, I've learned some of that here, here recently on, on social media. Um, 
but uh you know if if you're a guy you know you're looking you know for you know more experiences you know more tags different terrain um you know just a different experience where you know there is a potential of unlimited amount of competition you know there and you know if that's something you that you want to get into then you know um, you know public land is your deal but if you're more of the you know like our, our friend was saying, you know, if you enjoy, you know, more of that, um, you know, one-on-one time with your particular piece of land that you get to, you know, sculpt and, you know, make exactly how you want and make it the best situation possible for you. And, you know, also get the opportunity to watch deer in their normal states, mm-hmm. then, you know, private lands, you know, probably, you know, probably the way to go. And, you know, not everybody can do that with their, with their piece of private, but if, you know, that's something that, you know, you're into, then, you know, so be it, like I said, I've, I've done both and, you know, a mature deer on public is a mature deer on private. They're still both extremely hard to kill. Yes. You know, they're not, that they're not that old for no reason. Um, you know, deer throughout the whole United States, you know, they experience, you know, some amount of pressure, you know, there's some pockets where they don't, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, what, you know, what do you want out of it? Mm-hmm. You know, that's really the, that's really the question that you need to answer. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. Great. What kind of experience you're after? Like the answer. And I love how he mentioned, because while you were switching phones, we had another discussion about that exact same thing about yep. a mature deer on public is just as hard to kill as a mature deer on private. And let's, let's say a pressured private yeah there you go yeah. you know because like guys are gonna say oh you've got a thousand acres you know we're no we're not we're not talking we're talking about the average joes because there's only like one percent of people that hunt private to have access to a thousand uh, almost acres. unlimited yeah, yeah. most right. guys are hunting 30 40 50 let's say less than 100 acres yeah so i mean that deer is pressured because the neighbors and, and we we don't have to get yeah. into it but we i'm went glad through it. yeah we went through all of it. i'm glad that jace brought that up as well so you're the public land guy also sees it's equally as hard. The private land also said the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. like how we come together on that. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. cool. That's what we're doing this podcast for. Yep. Really. That's right. Holding hands. Yeah. Nice. All right, let's wrap it up, Kevy. Okay, so the final question for you is, what have you learned from hunting that you can apply to your everyday life? I think just, honestly, the the value of life in general. You know, I, I certainly don't take it lightly. I think any of the diehard, you know, diehard hunters it's not just going out there and killing, but it's just kind of learning the value of a life and, and respecting that. Um, and you can take that anywhere in your everyday life and your, you know, relationships and your family, you know, whether it's family, friends or anything like that, and just appreciate the people that are around you and the life that is surrounding you. And I think that's the biggest thing is just the value of, of, of a life that there's so many crazy hectic things going on in this world these days. And, uh, that, you know, that out of anything is, is getting lost a little bit, I think. So I agree. I like that answer a lot. Well, why don't, why don't we let Dave, Dave, we're going to give you the opportunity. If you want to stay on, you're more than welcome. If you got, if you got stuff to do, feel free. We'll let, we'll let Jace finish what he was answering, get his final thoughts, his, his closing statement, and then we'll wrap it up. Why? Yeah, I got to run, but I appreciate it guys. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for coming on. Thanks Thanks for joining us. Had a blast. Thank you, sir. See ya. We'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah. See see ya. Oh man, I could get, 
I could get kind of kind of crazy with that one. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Things things that I've learned in hunting for everyday life. Well, sometimes the best things take time. That's, you know, that's one not to be too uh, you know, run of the mill of an answer <laughs> of an answer there, mm-hmm. but I think and I learned this a lot and I learned so much in, in Kentucky last year, not, not only about deer in general, but, you know, things, things, you know, about my, about myself, really, you know, wherever I'm in a hard um, situation where, you know, there's pain and, and suffering involved, you know, in something with that and, you know, just putting your head down and, and, you know, just staying, just staying in that, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, you know, they, you know, no matter what it, you know, no matter what it is, you know, they quit, you know, 25% through, you know, 25% of the way through, or, you know, a lot of them, you know, you go through, you know, all this, all this pain, all this discomfort, you know, you, you know, you're wondering why, you know, you're not really sure, you know, why it is at the, at the time. And then, you know, you finally get to see, you know, what, what it is. Um, at, at the end of it, like, you know, right now I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, start up my own, my own business. And that has a lot of, um, you know, pain and, you know, discomfort and yes, you know, it uncomfortability. It does. Yeah. Um, has a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I've, I've done things, you know, like the Kentucky trip where, you know, that was a lot harder thing than what I'm experiencing now you know, because I've done things like that, because I've gone out and, you know, put myself out there in, you know, situations that have been, you know, uncomfortable or hard, you know, some of the hardest thing, you know, some of the harder things now, you know, they don't seem too hard whenever I start comparing it to stuff yeah. like that. Um, so, you know, that's one of the, that's probably here in the, you know, the recent year, that's, that's probably been one of the, one of my biggest takeaways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love the answer. Yeah. Love the answer. And for those of you that don't maybe understand the context of his Kentucky trip, correct me, Jace, you were out there for 18, 21, how many days was it? 20 days. 20, 20 days. days. Okay. So 20 days this man was out in Kentucky. Which he, podcast was that? What number? What you remember, Kevin? I don't remember. <clears> it, was early early our, the it, was, it was right after our Kentucky series. It was yeah. one of our uh, earlier ones, yeah. probably in the 30s somewhere. Yeah, it was. I know. It would have been like earlier than that. 10, 15, gotcha. something yeah. like that. I can look it up and put say, a link. If anybody wants to find it, you can hop on my page. I have a link tree leap link nice. on there. Yep. It's in there. Sweet. Nice. Okay. Sweet. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. That, was, uh, mm-hmm. that was a really cool story. And I, like you said, like you push yourself to the limits, and that's going to teach you. Like you put yourself in a situation on public land that most people wouldn't do that to themselves. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, they most people wouldn't put themselves through that, and that that probably taught you a ton about yourself. That you know, and and that's how you tie it to life. And I just, mm-hmm. I thinking about your story, I completely agree. Like you pushed yourself because of hunting. I'm not sure that there's any other hobby in your or or anything in your life that would have pushed pushed you as hard as hunting did. No, specifically no. for you, Jace. Yeah, no yeah, way. I, I, and that's if most of us here. Yeah, like there's really right. nothing. Like we live, we live in uh, the t- you know the day of age where like you don't have to push yourself in any way. Pretty no. cushy life. Yeah, right? I mean, and, can be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you're fortunate enough, and um, yeah. and yeah, that's cool. 
I love it. Yep, absolutely. Thank you so much, Jace, for coming yes. on. Why don't yep. you plug yourself real quick, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. Where can people find you on social media? Sure. Um, you can find me on Facebook. My name is Jace Allen, J-A-C-E-A-L-L-E-N, or you can find me on Instagram. Um, you can find me by my lovely Instagram handle, Nature of the Beast. Um, there's going to be a Whitetail Addictions episode come out here sometime this summer of uh, of the deer that we had called crabs down there in Kentucky. Oh, that's so cool. Nice. You all will get to see me absolutely lose it out there. <laughs> I want, I'll be definitely it. watching that yeah, one. That'll yeah. be a good one. Cool. Pretty embarrassing for me, but no, <laughs> that's good for you. I cried on camera last year, so you're good. It's an emotional uh, <laughs> roller coaster, man. I swear, like yeah. nobody, you can't, well, you can't explain it unless you've been through it. It's an emotional well, roller coaster. I like down there. I experienced emotions that I didn't even know that I was capable of. <laughs> I believe it. Yep. Like that's. I mean, you know, o- opening up. I. I I don't want to get too crazy with it. I know we're trying to wrap it up, but oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I get but, it. Uh, yeah. It's good yep. stuff. Yeah. Good if stuff. you're a hunter, you know exactly what we're talking yeah, about. He doesn't have if, to go any farther. If you're not a hunter, kill something and you'll understand <laughs> what we're talking about. Oh, deer preferably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Chase. We're going to close it and we're going to wrap this baby up. Yeah. Thanks for listening to everybody. And that'll conclude our um, buck battle series for this year, at least. Yep. So, Alrighty, doesn't matter what you've done in the past, you can always be born again, and born again is out. Peace. See ya.